This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. A favorite of many, our Miss Brooks, is on the way at the half hour. But first, it's a trip back to 1945 to listen to a story starring Simone Simone for the always entertaining show Inner Sanctum. Simone Simone was born in Marseille, France. She went to Paris in 1931 and worked briefly as a singer, model, and fashion designer. She made her screen debut and quickly established herself as one of the country's most successful film actresses. And after seeing her, Daryl F. Zanuck brought her to Hollywood. It didn't work out well. Although it was reported that she withdrew from a film due to illness, it was later revealed that Zanuck fired her after 12 days of shooting because of her temperamental behavior. Well, she admitted that in the early stage of production, she was temperamental, insisting she was inspired to behave that way after a conversation with Marlena Dietrich, who told her that, quote, a star is only as important as she makes herself out to be. Well, sometimes it pays not to listen to the advice of others. She achieved her greatest success in English language cinema with The Devil and uh, Daniel Webster, 1941, Cat People, 1942, and The Curse of the Cat People in 1944. These films did not lead to greatest success, and she languished in mediocre films until the end of the war, finally returning to native France. The episode we're about to hear is entitled Black Art. Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup presents Inner Sanctum Mystery starring Simone Simone. friends of the Inner Sanctum. This is, of course, Raymond, your host. Uh, please come in, won't you? And make yourself comfortable in any gloomy corner. We had intended to have a real surprise for you tonight. Instead of myself, we were going to have a guest ghost to act as host. But, uh, unfortunately, this real ghost caught pneumonia and he's in a very grave condition. The doctors have given up all hope. He's, uh, going to become alive. <laughs> well, Mr. Raymond, I must admit, I'm glad that that ghost couldn't come. Mm? It's difficult enough to talk to you, but heavens, I wouldn't know what to say to a ghost. Oh, well, that's simple, Mary. All you have to do is find out whether it's uh, a he-ghost or a she-ghost. And if it's a she? Oh, then you compliment her on her appearance. You say, darling, what a divine sheet you're wearing. <laughs> That's right, Mr. Raymond. Hmm. The ladies are always interested in something new to wear. Hmm. And right now, I'm going to tell them about something they'll all want. It's a lovely piece of jewelry. A real sterling silver medallion about an inch in diameter. 
It's the kind of jewelry you find at those smart shops on Fifth Avenue in New York. But the only way you can get it is from Lipton. The medallion is decorated with a Chinese inscription. And it's hung on a narrow black rayon satin ribbon. That's the height of fashion this year, you know. And here's how you get the medallion. Just send 25 cents and the box top from a package of Lipton, the tea with the brisk flavor, to the Lipton Tea People, Box 92, New York City. Yes, that's Box 92 in New York City. And uh, now it's time to begin. Our story is called The Black Art. It's an original tale by Milton Lewis. And our star tonight is that glamorous motion picture star, Simone Simone, who play the role of Claudine. So, uh, gather close and get ready to hear a sweet little tale that'll make you wake up screaming for at least the next two weeks. You all set? Now remember, if you don't want your hair to stand on end, get someone to sit on your head. Okay? <laughs> all right, now, let's, uh, let's hear Larry Gifford tell you his story in his own words. I wish I never heard that scream. I wish I never saw a body lying there. Blood all over the room. A knife on the floor near her throat. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget how I picked up the knife. I'll never forget the sweat that came creeping out all over me when I heard the door slam. Stand where you are. If you make a move, I'll blow your head off. Don't shoot, copper. Drop that knife. Okay. What's your name? Larry. Larry Gifford. Look, I'm from Chicago. Stranger, huh? Yeah, what of it? What's her name? Her? I, uh, I don't know. I never saw her before. Look, you don't have to frisk me. I haven't got a gun. Shut up. Listen, I, I know it looks bad, but you see, my room's downstairs. I heard a scream, and I... Give me back that wallet. Yeah. Oh. Your hands up. Roll papers. What of it? So I'm an ex-con, so what? You don't know her, huh? No, I don't. I... What have you got there? Just a picture I found in your wallet, mister. Picture of her. To Larry. With all my love, Nancy. Reckon you forgot about this, huh? Yeah, but look, I didn't kill her. I, I Shut I... up. I think I heard that screaming came up here. Put out your hands. Sure. You can have them. Here. Come back here. Come back. streets gladly. The gathered when they heard the shots and scream. I was dumped in jail. Well, this was a little burg in the bio country not far from New Orleans. I was the biggest thing that hit the town since Ripley's Believe It or Not. For them jerks, my trial was a bigger show than Carmen Miranda and Gypsy Rose Lee doing a trapeze act. In no time at all, they sentenced me to be hung. The night before, they were going to take me to the state pen for the necktie party. I was sleeping. Dreaming I was in Africa. They were beating them drums. Tom-toms. Suddenly, I woke up. Moonlight was shining through the bars of my cell. I listened. Someone was beating like a tom-tom on the wall of my jail. Who is it? Who's doing that? Larry Gifford. 
Yeah, that's me. Were you beating on the wall? I'm under your cell window. What do you want? Drop one end of your tie through the bars. Okay. There. I've got it. What are you doing? Pull up your tie. Okay. Got it? A gun? Yeah, yeah, I got it. Good luck. Goodbye. Thanks, baby. Whoever you are. What's going on there, Gifford? Huh? Oh, nothing. Why? I heard talking. Oh, I, I was talking in my sleep. Never done that before. I never was going to be hung before. What you holding there? Come here, I'll show you. That's it. A gun? Yeah, and it's got enough bullets to fill your head with lead. Let go of me. Open that door. Open that door. I'll give it to you between the eyes. Come on. Don't shoot. Okay, now take your gun. Give me those keys. See how you like it in there for a while. something about Dave since she was dynamite with class. She was something. Well? Set up another, Charlie. Cigarette? There. Thank you. It's a nice cigarette holder. Must cost at least a C. You know a lot, don't you? Enough. I know you. Do you? Sure. There's something about... Wait a second. Here. Here in this evening's paper, your picture. Oh, it's not a very good picture, is it? After seeing you, no. Claudine Lucerne. Recently returned from France. Elected head of art committee. Miss Lucerne, member of one of New Orleans' oldest and wealthiest families. I've read it. Turn the page. Why? I want to show you something. Okay. There. Larry Gifford of Chicago, wanted for murder, is sought by police after sensational Jane Blair. Better not read anymore. Why? Feel something against your side? Yes. It's a gun. I'm holding it in my pocket. Don't be afraid. I won't give you away. Got a light? Yeah. What do you want? Listen to that music. That tapping. What about it? The way you're tapping your cigarette holder against your glass. I'm just keeping time to the music. I heard that tapping before. Yeah, sure, in the cell. And I heard your voice before. Did you? You gave me the gun. Now let me hear you. Uh, uh, what, what's, what's this all about? You'll find out. Relax. I, I can't. I guess I had a few too many. My head, I 
feel like I'm spinning around, getting dizzy. Two green eyes, pink with blood around the edges, looked at me out of a queer furry head. It was the head of a bat. It smiled. It had sharp little bat teeth that had pink on them. There was an ache in my throat. I looked again. It wasn't a bat's face. It was hers. Claudine's. I was dreaming. Larry? Hmm? Oh, well, where am I? My suite at the hotel. Ah, how'd I get here? You passed out on the blue bottle. I brought you here. When? Two hours ago. Oh, I must have been sleeping. I had the queerest dream. I thought... I... Oh, oh. What's the matter? My, my throat. That pain, like a knife. Those green eyes of yours. Red mouth. And those white teeth. Look, we're, we're going to have a showdown right now. I mean, I'm... Where's my gun? I took it. Look, what do you want with me? Nothing you don't want to do yourself. Don't talk in riddles. Have you... Have you ever been in love? Sure, dames are always falling for me. Why? I guess that's what happened to me. Are you kidding? No. Do you think I'd get you out of jail if I were? But I, I never saw you before. I saw you at the trial. That, that's where it happened. Oh, how can a dame like you go for a guy like me? I don't know. But it happened. I, I don't believe it. I'm sorry. Come here. Yes? I'm going to kiss you, baby. Larry. Oh, Larry. It's a funny thing to do. Kiss a guy on the neck. Better wipe that lipstick off. I... Hey. What's the matter? My handkerchief. That ain't lip rouge on my neck. It's blood. No, you're making a mistake. My neck's bleeding. What, what kind of a dame are you, anyway? I'm getting out. No, don't. If you go, I'll tell them who you are. Oh, you will. Yes, uh, and I... Oh! You won't tell him for a while, baby. Mark Grady's joint in the old city of New Orleans was just a place. She'd never find me in that dump. Nobody'd ever find you there. I got a room. I went to sleep. I was safe. Then I heard it again. That same rhythm. Woke me up. I heard it, but I couldn't believe it. How, how could she know I was here? Oh, was it her? There was nobody in the room. I opened the door. Nobody outside. I slammed it. The beating stopped. I turned around. It's looking into the muzzle of a gun. Sit down, Mary. <laughs> How'd you get here? My Grady ran to the room next to you. There's a connecting door. What? What's the idea of a gun? 
Can't you guess? You, you're going to kill me? Maybe. Well, you, you're going to a lot of trouble to bump off a guy who's going to be hung anyway. Do you want to die? No. There is a way you can live. How? By coming with me. Yeah. What else have I got to do? Marry me. You're right over your head. You hate me? No. No, I, I, I don't. I don't hate you. I'm, I'm scared of you. Yeah, I, I've never been scared of anybody the way I'm scared of you. Scared enough to do as I say? Maybe. I had hoped you would love me. Maybe I do. You're lying. No. No, baby. <laughs> it's no use. Look, what are you going to do? Kill you? No, put the gun down. Give me a break. Don't. Claudine's a kid of her words. When she tells someone she's gonna kill him, she does it. She'd make a wonderful wife for some Frankenstein monster. She's attractive, a good killer, and she has a well-developed taste for blood. Hey, why should I hand her over to some other guy? She's just a gal for me. Nonsense, Mr. Raymond. Why, Mary Bennett, I believe you're jealous. I am not. Yes, you are. You're thinking what a handsome couple you and I would make strolling down the avenue, me dressed in a shroud, and you wearing your new sterling silver medallion. Now, don't you go making fun of my lovely medallion, because I want all the ladies to send in for one. I know they're going to enjoy wearing it, because it's made of solid sterling silver, and it's really a fine piece of jewelry. Besides, there's a true story behind this medallion, an inspiring story. It seems that the original was given to an American flyer by Chinese guerrillas who rescued him after he'd bailed out over enemy territory. The flyer was told that the Chinese characters on the medallion would identify him and bring him safely through the lines. Well, he did get through, and only then did he learn that the medallion said, Good luck, in Chinese. Now, there's a story to tell your friends. And to get this good luck charm, just like the one the flyer carried, all you have to do is send 25 cents and the box top from a package of Lipton's, the tea with the brisk flavor, to the Lipton Tea People, Box 92. That's Box 92, New York City. Now, uh, let's get back to our star, Simone Simone, who seems to be making life hard for a guy named Larry. The last time we looked in, she had just shot him. But I've got a tip that that's only the beginning of his troubles. Uh, how about it, Larry? What happened then? I went down in a heap when she fired. The bullets caught me in the thigh. I lay there. made out like I was dead. Larry. Larry. She fell for it. She bent over me. A gun in her hand. Larry, I... Oh! Take it easy, kid. Let go of my hand. Not till I get that gun. Let go. Let go. Get that gun if I have to break your arm. No, don't... Oh. Okay, I've got it now. You shot me in the leg, but I'm still strong enough to get rid of you. Larry. I'm no angel, baby, but you're worse. Here's something I heard about, but I never believed. How'd you know I'd be here? How'd you know I'd be in the blue bottle? Go on, answer me. I've got nothing to tell you. Oh, you don't have to. It was magic. Black magic. Somebody nobody'd believe if I ever told him. It's only one thing to do with you. Yes? Kill you. But I ain't taking any chances like you did with me. 
When I kill you, you're going to stay dead. Those tom-toms are going to stop forever. You think so, Larry? I know it. Come here. Larry, Shut I... up. No! I knocked her out cold. She lay on the floor. I put the muzzle of the gun to her temple. She was so beautiful, it made you shiver. I pulled the trigger. I looked. What I saw nearly made me pass out. A little blue vein on her temple was beating. There wasn't a scratch on her. A little curl of red hair was twisted around her ear. Was I seeing things? I aimed the gun at her heart. Nothing. Not a speck of blood. I stuck the muzzle between her eyes. Shot till the gun clicked empty. I looked. The white skin on her face looked more beautiful than ever. Had to get away. Out of the same city where she was. Out of the same state. The same world. I let out for the open country. To the bayous on the river back in New Orleans. My wounds festered as I dragged myself through the swamps. And I got a fever. It was like a nightmare. In my head, I kept feeling the tom-toms. I couldn't take a train or a bus or go to a doctor. I'd be caught. One night I saw a big house shining in the moonlight. I decided to take a chance. I knocked at the door. What is it? Sorry, miss. I was hunting. I had an accident in my leg. Oh. If you let me come in and call a doctor, I'd be very grateful. You don't want to come into this house. Can't you see I need help? You'll never be helped here. There's nothing good here, only evil and fear. So go away, please. I'm warning you. Go away before my sister comes out. What's the matter with you? Don't you see? I can hardly move. Go away while you still have the strength to crawl away. Now, believe me. Tell Mr. Gifford to come in and close the door, Cassie. Uh, uh, that voice. That's my sister. It's your sister. Claudine Lassan. Good evening, Larry. I was wondering when you'd get here. You know him? Yes. Mr. Gifford and I are old friends. Friends. How can you have a friend now, Cassie? She's someone like you. You mustn't mind her, Larry. Cassie isn't quite well. I don't know who you are, Mr. Gifford. But I do know that she's brought you here to kill me. Cassie? I knew it would happen on a night like this when the moon was full. She's been preparing for it for months. I've told everyone about it, but no one will believe me. I've told them again and again, and they say I'm insane. They think I've lost my mind. But she is going to murder me tonight while the moon is full. She's going to murder me. She... Oh. Go to your room, Cassie, immediately. here. Come, Larry. You must know by this time that you can't fight me. Yes, I... I thought I'd never see you again. I'm, I'm not well. I've got a fever. Hey, that tom-tom being in my brain. I can't stop it. I'm getting louder and louder. What? I blacked out. When I opened my eyes again, I was in a soft bed with clean sheets. Someone had dressed my wounds. The moonlight came into my room like a living yellow ghost. Then I heard it. Just like the one Nancy made when she was killed. I limped out of bed, went to the room next door. 
Kathy on the floor, murdered. The knife was still in her neck. And I heard it again. The tom-tom. Queer sounding this time. I felt myself beginning to sway to the rhythm like a dancer. Then I did something I couldn't stop myself from doing. I put my hand down, drew out the knife. I wiped my bloody hand on my shirt. Suddenly I looked up. She was there, Claudine. Drop the knife, Larry. What? What have you got in your hands? These? These came from the skeleton of someone who was once alive. You're not a woman. You're a devil. I'm going to... Don't come any closer, Larry. I don't want to kill you just yet. Just, just yet? So we're close to the payoff. Yes. You're trembling, Larry. Who are you? There's no reason why I cannot tell you now. You don't believe, do you, that there are unseen powers that can be controlled by someone who knows how? I can believe anything about you. Thank you, Larry. Your heart is pounding like a throbbing drum, isn't it, Larry? You can feel death close, can't you? What have you got to say to me? I'm going to tell you a story, Larry. The story of a child who was brought up on this estate by a strange old woman, a conjure woman. In her head were all the black arts of the world. She taught me. Why are you telling me this? It amuses me to watch you a murderer, helpless and terrified. So terrified you can hardly breathe. I find it very exciting. Then it, it was blood I found on my handkerchief. Yes. It is one of the ways to gain complete power over a person. And a tonto. Another spell to make you do what I want. And the murder of your sister... You want me to be the patsy for that? You're beginning to understand. You see, Cassie and I inherited the estate. There's really not enough for both of us. You tell him I did it. Yes. And that I killed you in self-defense. What, what are you looking at me that way for? I was remembering something. Remembering? Oh. That kiss, baby, wasn't it? You're a devil, but still a woman, ain't you? You didn't forget that kiss, did you? No. Well, what are you going to do? Come here. Closer. Well. Don't move. There. You, you're going to let me live? Live? When it's my life against yours, you fool. I'll put that gun down. When I'm finished. Please, give me a break. I'm begging you. Begging you? I'll do anything you say. Just give me a chance, please. Here it comes, Larry. Between your How do you feel today, Gifford? Much better, officer. Legs healing fine. We checked that crazy story you told us. It's all true. Tell me something. How'd you know to come to the Lusanne place when you're dead? You arrived just in time. A second later and she would have killed me. Kathy, her sister phoned us, told us to come out. I came in the room and saw her threatening you with a gun. I shot at her. I had to. Got her in the shoulder. Should have killed her. State will take care of that. Did you believe the story she told you at first? That I killed her sister and she was killing me in self-defense? No. You see, Gifford, we'd found out that you weren't a murderer. You didn't kill Nancy Warren. 
man who did that confessed. That made her whole story false. How, how did she do it, Captain? How did she find out where I always went? Three psychiatrists said she did, did it by post-hypnotic suggestion. She told you where to go while you were asleep, and you never realized that you were always doing just what you wanted. But the bullets, when I shot at her and tried to kill her, how'd she do that? It was all carefully planned. The first shot she fired at you were real bullets. The others in the gun were blanks. She wanted to get you so thoroughly under her power that you think she couldn't be killed. You see, all this so-called black magic has an explanation. Has it? I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what I'm going to do. Step right this way, friends, and get yourself a post-hypnotic suggestion. Spell it backwards and you get murder. Uh, what's that? You can't spell. Ain't you lucky? Talking of luck, Mr. Raymond, I think Larry Gifford was mighty lucky to escape that awful woman. Oh, well, you see, Mary, it's very simple. He probably wore one of your good luck medallions. Oh, no, that's plain uh, silly. A man wouldn't wear a medallion on a black rayon satin ribbon. It's the ladies who like jewelry. Yes, that's why I know that they'll appreciate this solid sterling silver medallion that the Lipton people want to send them. And, ladies, here's how you get it. Send just 25 cents, which includes tax and postage, with a box top from a package of Lipton's, the tea with the brisk flavor, to the Lipton Tea People, Box 92 in New York City. The uh, moral for tonight's assault on your nerves is never marry a dame who sucks blood out of your throat. Such dames give you a uh, pain in the neck. <laughs> By the way, this month's Inner Sanctum Mystery novel is The Red Right Hand by Joel Townsley Rogers. Yes, and don't you dare miss next week's story directed by Hyman Brown and brought to you by Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup. Next week's story is about a pair of murderers who get scared to death. They're more frightened than the guy they're murdering. So if you hear some static on your radio next Tuesday, it'll just be... <laughs> Their knees knocking together. <laughs> well, now I guess it's really time to close that there squeaking door. So, uh, <clears throat> good night for real. Pleasant dreams. <laughs> Folks, the next time you send a box of food to your boy overseas, be sure to include a package or two of Lipton's noodle soup mix. You see, Lipton's is just like a taste of home. Mm -hmm. It has the same homemade chickeny taste as the soup you make yourself. The soup your boy's always been so fond of. That's why it's such a thoughtful, welcome little gift to send Lipton's. And as you know yourself, Lipton's noodle soup makes a grand snack. So remember, send a package or two to your boy. And remember to tune in next Tuesday night for another Inner Sanctum Mystery. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for Our Miss Brooks next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Eve Arden to star in Our Miss Brooks. 
and Costello program, brought to you by Camels, the cigarette that's first in the service. Camels stay fresh because they're packed to go around the world. Listen to the music of Freddie Rich and his orchestra, the songs of Connie Haynes, Cliff Nazaro, tonight's special guest Arthur Treacher, and starring Bud Abbott and Lou Costello. Costello, what are you doing in the bathtub? Ah, what is he got doing? I'm taking a bath. What are you doing with your underwear on? The water's cold. Oh, <laughs> Will you get out of that tub and put your bathrobe on? I've got the bathrobe on now. You're wearing your bathrobe in the tub? Sure, I don't want to get my shoe wet. Oh, <laughs> wait a minute. What are you doing in the bathtub on Thursday night? Ah, but I forgot to tell you. But Lynn Barrett, a beautiful movie star, is coming here for dinner. And I'm going to have a big swanky party. Oh, are you expecting people? Certainly I'm expecting people. What do you think I'm going to do? Have a flock of cows? Not flock. Herd. Herd what? Herd of cows. Of course I heard of cows. I'm no dummy. I mean a cow herd. Well, I can't have a cow herd. I just say nothing to be ashamed of. All right. All right. Let's say no more about cows, please. I'm not in the mood. What mood? A cow mood. Who cares if a cow moves? Maybe watch its little kittens. All right, look, look, forget about the cows. You don't know anything about cows in the first place. Who does? Wait a minute, do you know what a cow gives? No. A cow gives milk. No, she don't. You've got to take it away from her. I, all right, we understand that. That's the first thing you've said right. You take the milk from the cow's udder. I beg your pardon? The cow's udder. The cow's udder what? Costello, you take the milk from under the cow. You mean the crankcase. Oh. That's the, that, that's the thing that's fastened to the cow's skin. No, 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 not skin. Hide. Why should I hide? I didn't do nothing. No, 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 no. Hide on the cow. How am I going to hide on a cow? Listen, a cow on listen, top of listen, a cow. Just a minute, me. please. Listen to me. Hide, hide. A cow's outside. Bring her in. Let her listen to the program. Oh, what? <laughs> Wait a minute. Quiet. Here comes Ken and Mrs. Nye. Oh, hello, Mr. Rabbit. You too, Costello. Are you surprised to see me? No, ma'am. I was expecting a cow. <laughs> what? I, don't, I mean, another kind of a cow. What? Another kind of a cow. Oh, Costello, I'm not a cow. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. Whoa! <laughs> Will you stop that, Costello? That's no way to insult Mrs. Nile. You know a better way? <laughs> now, just a second, Costello. I'm getting red in the face. Where are you getting the blood? <laughs> Are you calling my Kenneth anemic? Why, just look how trim he is in that blue suit. Why, he looks like Gainsborough's blue boy. He looks more like Ginsburg's bellboy. Oh. A pretty shade of blue, ain't it? <laughs> You're a fine one to talk, Fatso. Me, Fat? I just dropped 20 pounds. You didn't drop it far enough. Oh, now, let's stop fighting, please. Uh, Mrs. Uh, Niles, Costello invited Lynn Barry to the house, and he needs some help with dinner. Oh, well, I might be able to help. I've been cooking for 12 years. You ought to be well done by now. No, 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 no. Put the kisser on that kid. You see, you see, Mrs. Niles, what Costello really needs is a butler. Do you know where we can get one? Well, my uncle runs an employment agency. Well, that's fine. Here's the address. Just go over there and ask for my uncle. Oh, that's very nice, Mrs. Niles. What's his name? You go. Ask for it. 
Yes, ma'am. I go, but who do I ask for? She told you you go. I know I go, but I gotta ask for somebody. Well, I told you to see my uncle. Uncle what? You go. Now, don't say that again. Don't tell me I go. Stop saying I go when Mrs. Nile says you go. All right. You go, and I won't have to go. Costello, you don't understand. My uncle's first name is Hugo. Oh, why didn't you say that in the first place? What's his last name? Guess it. Why should I? What? Why should you what? Guess his name. She didn't tell you to guess his name. Mrs. Niles, didn't you tell me his name was Hugo? Yeah. What's his last name? I said guess it. That's what I thought you said. Is it Murphy? No. Is it Jones or Smith? No, no, Costello. Guess it. Costello, I told you for the last time. You go guess it. You and go you guess go it. You go jump in the lake. Close and all. I'll do nothing of the kind. Come, Kenneth. Well, Costello, they're mad again. Now you've burned your bridges behind you. That's okay. I won't show it my coat on. Now, come on, nonsense. You've got to have a butler for the party. Now, uh, here's Mrs. Niles' uncle's card. Uh, call him up. Boy, this sure is for a, a funny phone number. Uh, what does it say? Established, 1903. <laughs> that isn't a phone number. It's right here on the card. No, nothing of the kind. That's the year he started the employment agency. He founded it in 1903. Oh, he founded it the business? Who lost it? Nobody lost it. But how could he founded it if... If he didn't lost it, it Costello, I said he founded it. Can I help it if you don't speak good English? Yeah, Costello, please, you should be ashamed of yourself. Mr. and Mrs. Niles were kind enough to tell you where you could hire a butler. I was uh, kind enough to explain how to contact the man, but did you appreciate it? No. All you do is stand there and give me silly answers. Oh, I'm a bad boy! certainly are. Don't tell my scoutmaster on me. Well, I, I should. Oh, if you do, he'll take away my scout pins. Gee, Abbott, anything but that. I have one pin for courtesy. I got one pin for bravery and one for safety. Wait a minute. I can see the pin for courtesy and the pin for bravery. Where's the pin for safety? It's holding my pants up. No! Johnny's orchestra play a Cole Porter favorite, I get a kick out of you.
All right, come on, Costello. <clears throat> the Hugo Gasset Employment Agency is right down this hall. Now, let me handle this, and I'll get you a butler. Now, look, Abbott, I'm just expecting Lynn Barry. Why do I need a butler? <laughs> but a butler in your house will make you more stable. Stable? Certainly. Just picture a butler in his livery. What I got, a house or a livery stable? Did I? You don't understand. He'll make you distinctive. He'll give your house a certain air. What am I hiring, a butler or a scout? Oh, come on, shut up. Now, come on in the employment agency and let me do the talking, please. Oh, please. You've got to get me a maid. My maid quit today after 15 years. I've lost my maid. I've lost my maid. Hey, mister, mister, why did your maid leave? She caught me kissing my wife. Costello, look, please. Never mind him. Let's talk to the clerk at the desk. How do you do, gentlemen? What can I do for you? Well, I'd like to hire a butler. You'd like to hire a butler? <laughs> oh, you mad, impetuous boy! <laughs> All right, brother, don't knock yourself out. I just want to hire a butler. You just want to hire a butler? <laughs> What am I laughing at? I mean, <laughs> oh, you fool. Why don't you ask me for a date with my wife? Okay, but one thing at a time. <laughs> now, I'll have to ask you a few questions for my file. First of all, do you work in a defense plan? No, I don't. Then how can you afford a butler? <laughs> do you own any steel mills? No. Polo ponies? No. Steamship companies? No. I'm in a rut, ain't I? <laughs> now, listen, Clark, we're in a great hurry. Haven't you got a butler we can hire? Well, there is one, Judson. But right now, he's over there. Mr. Morganville, the millionaire, is talking to him. Now, listen, Judge. I'll give you five nights a week off and a thousand dollars a week. All right, make it seven nights a week off. I'll give you my car. I'll do your laundry. All right, you're hired. Now, please stop twisting my arm! <laughs> Nobody's looking. Lucky fellow, he's got a butler just by a twist of a wrist. Uh, good luck. Clark, this isn't helping us. We've got to have a butler. Lynn Barry, the movie star, is coming to dinner tonight. Lynn Barry coming to dinner? Oh, so you'll be putting on the dog. No, we're having roast beef. <laughs> what kind of talk is that? Come with me and see our manager, Mr. Nazaro. Uh, right this way. Mr. Nazaro? Yes? This is Mr. Abbott and Mr. Costello. Costello would like to hire a butler. You want to hire a butler? Good heavens, man. Don't you realize that butlers can't ask a salary to meet? And he can't reach the self remark to bring the self remark to work so It isn't that I want a basis. Save for the boss's salary could pay for the boss for the very salary. And maybe he'll be reclassified. <laughs> you don't understand. Look, Brown. Didn't you tell Mr. Costello that the castle raises saw the mice of bikes hasn't got any forts? And didn't you tell him that the reason celebrates the with the whole environment? Didn't you tell him that? Yes, I did. You didn't say that, brother! <laughs> Now, don't interrupt the man. That's right. I'm trying to show you that that's the world of race to me. Now, not that the cash read. Or rain will fall instead of a glide read. You get the picture I'm painting? Yeah, but you smeared it up in the middle. <laughs> Costello, he's trying to tell you that today most people are doing their own work. Even Cary Grant washes at his house. Yes, Costello. Do you wash? Surely I wash. What do you think I am, a slob? <laughs> no, no. All the picture stars are washing. I passed Dan Sheridan's house yesterday. And I saw her washing her calories, her rasa soap, and fill the more ones. <laughs> and even a little jiggly bitty bitty soap, I can't tell her. Don't you wash your twang and fill pork and jiggly bitty? I do, but the buttons break off. <laughs> Never 
Never mind your buttons. Never mind my buttons. What do you want me to do? Be a pinup boy? <laughs> Mr. Costello, let me ask you a question. A question. When you had your last butler, did you pay him Baba did it? No, I only paid him Baba did. <laughs> Why didn't you pay him Baba did it? Because he didn't did it. <laughs> Look, Costello, now let's not get nasty. I'm trying to tell you there's a shortage of men. Butlers today aren't just a cat for horse with a celery and hypnic rails. Why, even my butler cats the horse straight. I tried, I said to governors, did you ever sell the horse of eight? Bring my condren, bring my satellite, bring my corsets, and even if it was a mailer face. You see what I mean? Frankly, I'm a little confused. Why don't you pay attention to the man there? That's what's confusing me! <laughs> Well, I could put it another way. You could? But would you? <laughs> now, just a minute. You can't come in here and tell me how to categorize the salary available, box. Or even once a waited. When you know that I'm the only one who tries to state it, what do you think I am, a castrant? <laughs> it's men like you that Catholic bosses south will have everybody cross with them in a salary base. And they're the hitting ginger did it, did it, did so up
Costello, come here. What are you going to do? Here it is, the night of your big party for Lynn Barry. And you haven't got a butler. Yes, but we did get a cook. Yeah, now call up the kitchen and tell her what to do. Now be careful what you say now. Hello, kitchen. This is Mr. Costello. I want to talk to my cook, Mrs. Blank. What? She did? At four o'clock in the morning? Wow! How much did it weigh? Nine pounds? At her age, too. How do you like that, Abbott? Mrs. Blank got up at four o'clock this morning and ate a nine-pound turkey. No! I never heard of such stuff. Hey, Costello, that must be Lynn Barry. Lynn Barry? Don't get excited now. Take it easy. I like her because she's a big girl. Barry. All right, now, don't get excited. Boy, boy, at last. I'll go to the door. Fifty pounds of ice for Mrs. Smith. Mrs. Smith lives next door. Hey, do you mind if I leave it here at her husband's home? I guess her husband don't like ice. Right. Oh, look. Oh, that was a pipperoo. Well, Costello, you'd better forget about Lynn Barry. I, I don't think she's coming. Oh, no? I bet that's her now. Prepare it up for me. Hello, Lynn. Oh, Lynn, my darling. My precious one. My loved one. My own little Snooky. I love you. Boy, oh, boy, have I got the wrong number. <laughs> I can't stand this waiting. I'm losing my mind. Oh, behave yourself. You're not losing your mind any more than I am. That's close enough. Uh, yeah. Abbott, this must be Lynn Barry. I'll answer it. Darling, come into my arms. I say, aren't you a bit high-strung, old boy? <laughs> Costello, look who it is. It's Arthur Treacher. Mr. Treacher. Now, that's my line. Uh, please. <laughs> I just want to find out his professional business. That's right. How do you do, Mr. Treacher? Find out if he is a lifesaver. Well, you know what I mean. No, no, no. Thank you. How do you do, Mr. Treacher? I'm Bud Abbott, and this, uh, this is Lou Costello. I'm glad you told me. I thought it was cabbage cooking. <laughs> now, wait a minute, Treacher. The only reason I don't poke you in the nose is because I'm bigger than you. It so happens that I'm bigger than you. That's a better reason. No. <laughs> Look, Mr. Treacher, don't mind Costello. He was expecting uh, Lynn Barry. Uh, and he's down in the dumps. Yes, that's where she told me I'd find him. Now, wait a minute, Treacher. Mr. Treacher to you, punk. Mr. Punk to you, Treacher. Now stop that, Costello. I want to know what he's doing here. What are you doing here, Shorty? All your information, you poisonous person. I am Miss Barry's butler. Before she sets one dainty foot in this hovel, I wish to inspect the premises, the service, and the food here. Here? Yes, here. Oh, dear. Costello. Oh, you like that? Now, listen, Costello. Up, up. Yeah, 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 Come here, Lord. Don't you understand? He's English. He's, uh, he's English? Yeah. If he was any more English, he couldn't talk at all. Hey, over here. Look, look here. 
the gantry, sir. Who are you to come in here and question Costello's official standing? After all, I sprang from nobility. And you didn't spring far enough. No, 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 no. No, no, no you didn't no, spring no, no, far no. enough. I'll have you know that my family is very prominent socially. My father has a country seat in Wembley and a city seat in Devonshire. Your father has two seats? Yes. Does Ripley know about it? Costello, be careful how you talk Abbott, to Mr. don't you start talking uh, like that. Now, brother. wait a minute, please. Make it more pronounced, Mr. Right. Costello. All right, all right, Costello. That's better. Be careful how you talk to Mr. Treacher. He's a polished gentleman. He sounds like he's select. <laughs> you don't understand. Now, look here. I'm from Eaton. You're from Hunger. You're impossible. <laughs> You're absolutely impossible. Hey, you're nuts. I am. Over here. No, 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 no. Mr. Treats is an educated man. He's a linguist. Yes. You I... told me he was English before. Yes. A linguist. Linguist. What's the difference between linguist and English? Never mind. Wait a minute. I can't say now. either word Quiet, anyway. Man, will you? Yes, perhaps I can make you understand his French. Parlez-vous français? Oui, oui. Bien. Vous avez étudié dans un pension? Ah, oui, oui. Combien des ans habitez-vous dans le Tauban à Paris? Oui, oui. Hey, Abbott, I bet he runs out before I do. <laughs> Quiet, will you please? Now, look here. You might as well know it, old boy. I'll never permit Miss Barry to attend your dinner. Oh, yeah? There's Miss Barry now. Hello, Lynn, my darling. Oh, it's me, Mrs. Niles. Am I late? Yeah, by about 40 years. <laughs> what is this, witch's night out? Costello, please. Boy, you sure get around. What do you got, a C-card for your broom? <laughs> oh, stop, Costello. Uh, Mr. Treacher, yeah. I'd like to have you meet uh, Mr. and Mrs. Ken Niles. Which one is Mrs. Niles? <laughs> now, wait a minute, what? Preacher. Shh, what? I don't go for that. Not so loud. After all, which one is Mrs. Niles? These people are friends of mine. Ooh. All of them are friends of mine. Which one is Mr. and Mrs. Niles? How do you like that, Abbott? Good. Good for you, Costello. You keep out of this, Kenneth. <laughs> Kenneth, are you... <laughs> Kenneth, are you going to stand for this? Costello is trying to make a man out of me and a woman out of you. Maybe we'd be happier that way. <laughs> Will you please stop those fights? I've heard enough, Costello. I could never allow Miss Barry to associate with an illiterate like you. Ah, gee, Treacher, don't keep Lynn Barry away from my house. You don't seem to really know me. I don't seem to really know you? <laughs> you confident little corporal. You realize you just split an infinitive? Why, does it show? And... <laughs> no, you dummy. He's correcting your grammar. You made a mistake. Who made a mistake? Now listen here, Mr. Treacher. When the adjective modifies the predicate adverb, then the pronoun of the subjunctive mood modifies the dangling participle, leaving the infinitive unsplit. Do you know what I mean, Treacher? Certainly. Then explain it to me. <laughs> Costello, you're not going to get Lynn Barry this way. You know that. Gee, Mr. Treacher, I gotta have Lynn Barry here. I'm in love with her. She's my whole life. She means everything to me. I gotta have her. I can't live without her. Does she really mean that much to you? Yeah, she's the only one that can string my yo-yo. <laughs> Very well, if she means that much to you, let me see how you'd make love to her. Now, just imagine that Mrs. Niles here is Lynn Barry. 
What an imagination you got, brother. Do what the man says. Take Mrs. Niles in your arms and kiss her. Oh, oh but Miss Rabbit, in my whole life, I, I've only been kissed by two parties. Yes, ma'am. The Democrats and the Republicans. <laughs> That's enough. I thank you, Mother. <laughs> Brothers, um, come here, my proud beauty. Oh, I'm not proud. You're no beauty either. <laughs> well, kiss fellow, what are you waiting for? Go ahead and kiss her. Not me, Screecher. If you know so much, you kiss her. I kiss her. Now, look here, that is, I mean, I really, I mean, I mean honestly, you can't really expect... Oh, what have you got to lose? There'll, there'll always be an England. <laughs> oh, come on, Mr. Over here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Quiet, quiet. Now, Mr. Creature, you show Costello the proper approach to kiss Lynn Barry. Take Mrs. Niles in your arm. All right, I'll do it. I have her in my arm. Now you put your What face... do I do now? You put your face next to hers. Yes. Now you're cheek to cheek. Yes. From where I'm standing, it looks like a dead heat at Bay Meadows. Quiet. <laughs> now, now what do I do? Now, Treachy, you kiss her. And now what do I do? Give her back her teeth. <laughs> Each of the four camel shows honors a Yank of the Week, sends 300,000 camel cigarettes overseas, a total of more than a million camels sent free each week. In this country, the traveling camel caravans have thanked over three and a half million Yanks with free shows and free camels. Camel broadcasts go out to the United States four times a week, a short wave to our men overseas and to South America. Listen tomorrow to Jimmy Durante and Gary Moore, Saturday to Bob Hawke and thanks to the Yanks. Monday to Blondie, and next Thursday to Abbott and Costello with their guest, Miss Lynn Barry. Good night, folks. We're a little late. See you next week. Good night, folks. Be sure to tune in next week for another great Abbott and Costello show with our guest, Lynn Barry. And remember, camel cigarettes make the best Christmas gift of all. Whenever you buy them, wherever you send them, camels will be fresh because they're packed to go around the world. This is Ken Niles wishing you all a very pleasant good night from Hollywood. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Sherlock Holmes, followed by Jack Benny. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. Stay tuned for Ziggy and Stardust next on Zoomer Radio. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.